This is the fucking normal podcast. The cheers, tears and Friday night beers of parenting disabled children. I'm Rena And I'm Lauren. And we're both mothers to daughters with special needs. Parenting a disabled child can often feel difficult to navigate. If this is you, you're not alone. We're here to share unique parenting stories and chat about the things that we've learnt and are still learning. Prepare to sometimes laugh, sometimes cry, but hopefully leave with a shot of optimism in your arm. And don't forget, we are talking from a parent's perspective. We would never presume to talk on behalf of a disabled child or adult. So expect bad language and, quite frankly, some brutal honesty. Because really, what the fuck is normal anyway? Wake me up, loud as clouds, all my love for you. And welcome to our first episode on loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing at my intro now. Was, anyway, I would, I would derail you. Derail go, Raina. Go, Raina. So, um, loneliness. It's such a specific theme, and I think it's one that resonates with a lot of people, not just parents of special needs children. We started sort of a WhatsApp group because we were all mums in North London with kids with special needs. And for me, that was the most liberating part of my journey, being a mother of a child with special needs, because it was finally the place where I found people who understood me, understood my life, understood what I had gone through, understood where I could potentially go with what hand I was dealt with in life. Um, my daughter is Lua, she's five and a half, and she was born with Noonan syndrome. I was 25 when I had, 25, 26 when I had Lua, and she came into my life like a meteorite. She completely shattered my illusion of life. Um, I had always lived sort of quite precariously and hadn't really thought about or taken life seriously at all up until when I gave birth to her. Um, so I was totally overwhelmed with having a child with special needs. And it wasn't, a, a, it was until I found these amazing women on that WhatsApp group that everything sort of calmed down and I sort of found my people. And I know it sounds so silly to say, but it was just a comfort to know that I had this group of women that I could turn to, to just ask a question or rant about a crappy, shitty day that I'd had or needed a reference for a really good OT or a really good speech and language therapist or whatever. So I'm so fucking grateful that I found this Yay. amazing group of women. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, my story. That's lovely. I'm like, lovely. God, listen to me. Um, no, I'm glad to be one of your people. Um, so I'm Lauren. Um, I'm from Newcastle. I live in North London, like Rena, with my two beautiful girlies, Olivia and B. Oh, and my husband. I mustn't forget about him. He's there too. Um, so Olivia is nearly eight and B is six. And B has um, a lot going on. She has 18Q partial deletion syndrome, uh, which has a load of diagnosis alongside it. Uh, specifically, she's got a hearing loss and some learning difficulties. Um, and she's bloody amazing, as is as is my other daughter, who's neurotypical. God, I hate that phrase, but they're both amazing. But like Rena, I was not at all prepared for the kind of disabled parenting journey. So yeah, that's brought us here, and the topic is loneliness. And I am so delighted that Genevieve, a mutual friend of ours, also in that 
famed WhatsApp group has agreed to be our first guest. She's a single mum, amazing single mum, to five-year-old Dylan who has muscular dystrophy. Uh, I'm really, really happy she's agreed to be on the podcast. Hello, Jen. Hello, Hello Jen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I just, yeah, first wanted just to say, you know, I'm really, really happy that the vibe I give off is something that made you think that I should be the one to talk about loneliness. Oh, you're the welcome. first time. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So you're just thanks. exuding that lonely vibe. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. You're so very much. welcome. Oh dear. Um, yeah, just to second what you guys have said about this amazing group and how um, wonderful and empowering and encouraging the WhatsApp group has been for me, um, and yeah, just having having a bunch of people that just get it. Uh, has been amazing and I think it's a really awesome thing that we can do this podcast and Mm -hmm. reach out to people who may be in similar situations that we've been in and felt really lonely yeah that's the dream yeah ultimately (laughs) we're saying we you know you're not alone exactly we're we're here and we get we get it some of this yeah and if we don't get it we can kind of work out how it was more than um more than other people might be able to um so tell us about yourself, Jen. Give yeah. us a bit of background on Genevieve. I uh, grew up in Hampstead, North London, with my parents and my younger sister. Um, kind of, you know, had a whole other life working in fashion buying. Um, loved my career, but kind of, uh, yeah, I I believe, very kind of matter-of-factly, I was here to be a mum, always did like always knew that that was what was going to be my purpose so my career was great but you know it didn't it didn't give me purpose or passion and I had Dylan um in 2016 when I was 31 um and he's my world and the moment he was born I knew what my purpose in life was and I'm getting goosebumps um yeah, he's awesome. He's my best friend. He is a dude. He is. We love <laughs> him too. Um, so how like how was that first year of being a mum then? Tell, tell us a bit about your experience of in. motherhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Dylan um, was, like I said, born in 2016. Born with um, some challenges, mostly physical things so he spent five days in special care in hospital and it was noted then that he had some uh physical challenges scoliosis um and some other things did you know through pregnancy or was it just an absolute shock once he was born it was an absolute shock um we didn't know i'd actually had a scheduled home birth um so we were at home for three days (laughs) Oh wow! Trying to get him out and ended up um, in hospital with an emergency C-section. Um, he just couldn't, like, he just wasn't structurally able, able. to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of, yeah, learn everything with Dylan. I learned everything in bit by bit, which right. for me, looking back, I think was probably a great thing. Yeah, it, yeah. it made it kind of manageable bite-sized chunks to deal with processing one thing at a time exactly yeah um I suppose in a way I'm grateful for that um yeah I think the first year was really tough looking back it was all a blur because as all first-time mums are um completely sleep deprived trying to 
you know keep a, a small human alive and feed it and sleep mm. and keep yourself going and and all the rest of it so it's very much a blur um i kept myself very busy um we had hospital appointments but i also went to every single class that you could uh try to keep myself sociable and just kept myself really busy and i think looking back that was obviously um, very much of a trauma response and trying yeah. to keep in tr control of everything and yeah. pushing myself to the limit um, of being able to do everything, keeping the busy schedule on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, completely. That resonates. I um, I was exactly the same. It was, uh, I'm going to get a massive file. I'm going to open up a section yeah, per yeah. diagnosis. Oh, we just found out she's deaf. I'll open a hearing section. Um, yeah organize the shit out of it yes. that, that that was my definitely my response as well exactly I, I get you yeah <laughs> I had the opposite complete opposite response I was a we were in hospital for seven months so I had to leave her at 8 p.m every day and then go oh home alone God. and be in the house by myself with obviously my partner and we would watch tv and do those things and I just block yeah. and every day that we went in it would be something else that was wrong with Lua or some some other thing or they would call us in the middle of the night and say, oh, she was really upset. So we had to sedate her in order for her to be asleep. You know, all of the crap. So the only thing I could control was how I looked. And it sounds so fucking superficial. And I'm not a superficial person at all. But I felt that if my hair was washed and straightened and I had clothes on and a bit of makeup and mascara, I was fine. Nothing could penetrate my hard exterior of, you know looking like I had my shit together when actually my world was falling completely apart. So then once I did have her home, I refused to socialize with anyone. I didn't give a crap about seeing absolutely anyone. I didn't want to go to the special needs groups and I didn't want to do this and that. Oh, fuck that shit. I was going to be at home and enjoy my baby that I'd waited seven months to hold in my house. So mm. fuck you all. I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> I'm not doing absolutely anything. So I was such a hermit for the first year. I think, yeah, but I think I can like resonate with it in that kind of showing that you were mm -hmm. like, I'm okay, everything's fine, we can deal with this, yeah. everything's fine. But the way I did it was to go out and be like, I can do everything, I can cope with everything yeah. and look what he can do and look what I can do. And yeah, just trying to um, do everything and pushed us to the limit. And I was so terrified of failing yeah um myself failing him make, making it look like I wasn't coping right really terrified of that and really terrified of being judged as well so we mm. the hospital appointments all of the things that we learned Dylan had a dislocated hip um hypotonia so it was all very much um physio and bracing and all these kind of things so I just go to a hospital appointment have a physio appointment they tell me what to do I'd go home and do it and it was each day, mm. go home, do it, go home, do it, go home, do it. And I lived very much in a, what I later realized was a kind of denial phase of just taking each day and just doing it and not thinking about the future or that, yeah. full diagnosis. That's a crazy amount of pressure to put on yourself yeah. as well. Yeah, and, and can feel, even though you're very busy, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but for me, I I'd had a very similar response and even though it was incredibly busy, you can feel very isolated and very lonely in those mm. situations. I mean, I remember going to a 
class would be every Wednesday and crying on a Wednesday evening every Wednesday and Patrick being like what the fuck are you doing why are you going to a class that makes you cry and it's like, I've got to do it I've got to keep going I've got to, they've got to give her every possible opportunity mm-hmm. um yeah I yeah I get you yeah <laughs> it sounds it sounds like crazy when you look back at it now but so crazy. at the time but it was it was so lonely even though I was spending every single moment with trying to you know, have time with people, seeing different people, making sure he got to see different people, yeah. all the classes. But gosh, yeah, the internal loneliness and the isolation of that was looking back like really immense. Wake me up, loud as clouds, all my love for you. I remember rushing from uh, Dylan's book club class and quickly having lunch and jumping on a bus to meet a friend at a museum in town, rushing, rushing, rushing. And Dylan was sick on the bus, which wasn't out of the ordinary at all. Um, He was sick on the bus and I just decided, right, we'll get off the bus. We got off the bus at King's Cross, one of the busiest places in London, sat outside the station, me just holding him, just constantly vomiting, being sick, being sick. By this point, I'd sort of realised there was something like he wasn't quite right. It was out of the ordinary uh, vomiting. And I was just sitting there cuddling him. I had his massive buggy and a load of bags and I just couldn't move because I couldn't carry him and push the buggy and hold the bags with the risk that he might be sick all over all of us um, again. He was crying being sick, I ended up crying in front of just hundreds and hundreds of people who passed by us, seeing us, not one single person offered to help. I think that was like a significant moment for me. I felt so lonely, I just wanted to scream. Gosh, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, I think we've all experienced that type of- Experienced that. Yeah, that type of- internal loneliness I like that phrase because you could be surrounded by so many people but yet nobody's really there for you or understands how you feel in that moment yeah. so oh, oh. horrible story <laughs> it makes me quite upset yeah and if it's you know sometimes strangers come can surprise can have surprising oh yeah as well with strangers definitely um so with Lua when she was first uh, home, she was connected to a ventilator 24 hours a day. So leaving the house and going outside was such an issue because you're carrying all this stuff. But also I was just overwhelmed and embarrassed, frankly, of being out with a tiny little baby that was connected to all these machines and all the eyes on you constantly. So it was horrible. So whenever I did leave the house, it was just a big deal for me. and this one time it was summer, it was really hot and I was just frustrated and I just didn't want to be in the house. So I like fucked up the courage to go outside. Um, and I got on the bus and when Lua's on a bus and it's connected to a vent, she needs loads of suction, which is my biggest nightmare because suctioning Lua in front of other people is just horrible because everybody stares and everybody, you know, wants to know what's going on and the machine is really loud and the, the vent beeps when you take it off and you disconnect it so it's just horrible so she needed a suction I was putting it off 
as much as I could and she's getting more and more frustrated because she needs a suction. So I was like, okay, screw it. Gave her a suction and I could feel the eyes, did it all, zoned out. And then I connected her and this man looked at me and he just says, I just want to let you know you're doing an amazing job. Well done. And it was just, just the best thing for anybody to say because I was, it just was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it was that he's just so nice that, to hear that from a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How were your friends and family in your kind of yeah. usual support network? How did it like change sort of like friendships that you had previously? Did they alter? Did they understand your situation? Were they there for you as the friends previously or had friendships dissipated because of the situation you were in? I think the first couple of years, um, I had a very kind of disjointed, I had mum friends. And because Dylan didn't have um, major differences from his friends when he was small, Mm. like we were all Mm. kind of struggling a bit with feeding or struggling a bit with sleeping, like all that stuff kind of took over. And then I would, you know, along the side, be doing physio and stuff with him as well. But they were all doing sensory stuff and things like that as well so I had like this mum friend world and then I would also still have like my old friends who didn't have kids Mm -hmm. who I'd go and meet at the weekend Mm -hmm. and go to the pub with go out with and never talk about being a mum and Dylan and just be completely yeah it was like what you said go home block it yeah just block it out um with a few wines um yeah. talking about other stuff <laughs> just a few, just a few knowing wines. you jenny it probably was just more just than a, a few. few just a few <laughs> you know no I comment didn't, no I didn't comment. Have a straw in a bottle of wine or anything it was <laughs> yeah fine. um yeah um so it was a distraction and yeah. i needed that distraction at that time but as right. dylan got older and the differences the became differences yeah. and i just began to feel like i needed people who got it I find found it very difficult I knew that there were ways to do it through charities through forums through muscular Mm. dystrophy um charities and you could put yourself out there I was so scared of being judged and so I think Mm. I was so insecure about myself because I'd kind of lost my whole identity right yeah you become a mum and that's all you are you go to these appointments you go to these baby classes and your name is now mum yeah completely oh mum oh, could you and what do you think about that mum and you're just like yeah, yeah. I'm his mum in this situation I'm his mum but when that's all you're doing yeah you lose your identity and all of this pressure you put on yourself to then put yourself out and try and make new friends is really tough yeah I I yeah, I man. completely understand that I I think I had another reason for not reaching out with B it was um I didn't want to limit my expectations of her or like, and, and some of that would have been not wanting to face into the realities mm-hmm. and the challenges that lay ahead. Um, but I purposefully avoided for the first couple of years, Googling or so, I mean, I'm crap at social media anyway, but social media groups, because I didn't, that, that was their story. It's yeah. not my story. And I felt a real kind of protective mm. um, urge to not go there. Yeah, I completely understand that. I I think for me, the the thing that helped me feel like I'm not alone was more things that I could pick up 
books and and tv sh- that there she goes there she goes yep, yep, yep. so good amazing for anyone who doesn't know it look it up it's a bbc, BBC um yep. Series? drama series yeah. sitcom sitcom I don't know um it's yeah really good really felt like I was watching something that was our story and some of the books that I picked up like Far From the Tree by Andrew Solomon oh my god that just for me I suddenly felt like oh this makes sense now and there are other people that are experiencing this mm-hmm. and a lot more than this um and a lot more challenging than this yeah, yeah that was but, my thing so like because I had been so isolating for the first sort of three years. I, once Leo was in hospital, you know, like your phone goes off all the time and your friends are checking in, like, how is she? What's going on? La, la, la. I started to blog about Lua. So I would, it was all very medical. Like she has a tracheostomy, she's connected to a vent, she's got a peg, this is happening, this surgery, this, that, that. It was not sort of our life, like what we do outside of like the medical stuff. And then I, Instagram loads of people with Noonan syndrome, but because Lewis is so rare and she's so affected by the syndrome, it was so sort of off-putting because it's like, okay, great, this kid in Canada has Noonan syndrome, but he goes to mainstream school and he eats and he's fine, like fine relative to Lewis' life. So I was like, oh, fuck this shit. I don't want to know. And I felt like I had been given the worst hand, you know, like, oh, what and I just hated it and then when Lewis started school and it's a special needs school and I saw loads of children with difficulties so many difficulties more than Lua and it sounds so horrible but it was like oh crap there is worse than what I have Mm. and it was comforting to know that there are parents who have it worse off than me but are happy thriving got jobs they are accepting of their children it's not the end of the world and that so it took three years for me to finally accept Lua accept what she will be like accept her life accept my life accept everything and it was the best feeling ever yeah which is why I love her school and I love I yeah it's just been the best thing for my mental health and her, obviously, because she's thriving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. about your support? Talked a bit about the different friends. Can we ask you about your the fact that you're a single parent and how that's worked? Because that must have... Sorry, we're picking all the great topics for you. Tell us Why about being single? lonely. Tell us about being single. Why are you so lonely? Oh, yes, great. Um, no, um, actually, it's... I would say that being, a, I am less lonely as a single parent. Wow. Uh, being mm-hmm. in a relationship <laughs> that isn't right and isn't working and is an environment that isn't healthy for all of the people in it mm-hmm. is a lot more isolating and lonely than going, right, I'm out of it now. Yeah, Let's find what we need to do and look for support. Yep. For me, um, my family are amazing and they have been my my rock through everything and an amazing support, but in a very practical way. So they'll help me with Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's great at uh, looking after him and, and has learned all of the things that he needs. So feeding and all of that. Yep. Um, and they've been great at that, but I didn't have an outlet for an emotional support and I spent a long time looking out for it and then resenting everyone around me for not supporting me emotionally 
that's when... the hardest bit though because you, so you don't even know what you're asking for sort of you know, yeah because you don't even know what you want yeah and you're like, just leave annoyed me alone. at everyone yeah, for but not... then don't leave me alone but yeah, then give stop me a getting it wrong i need a hug stop hugging me ah yeah exactly um so it was really fucking hard it was really hard um being in the situation where you're looking out all of the time for support when really you kind of need to look in into yourself um dylan and i moved out of um our family home in um towards the end of 2017 so he was 18 months Mm -hmm. and moved in with my parents which was fun Um, (laughs) into your childhood bedroom in yeah oh dear lord was it pink blue oh yeah yeah I think it was an ama- like it was the right thing to do. We moved back to North London. Um, so we you felt at home, North London. I felt at home, but I I think I then felt immediately more lonely because everything was on me. But I kind of it gave me this kick to like mm. sort everything out, get mm. everything done. Um, we had to change all of his. Uh, healthcare um, to North London moved it all up but he then ended up mostly under Great Ormond Street which was great Great. but it took a it took a lot of project management that's when my file file came out yeah I see the file is good really file is amazing and that's when I really was like yes I need to do all of this stuff we need to get on top of it Um, and that's what I did and again I still had those friendships that were like this distraction when Dylan would go to his dad's at the weekend I started to find uh yoga and meditation Mm -hmm. um and I started to try and fit in all of this self-care in the time that I didn't have Dylan but I'd also you know kind of do all my chores in that time and do all my clothes yeah. washing. I hope you didn't project this. manage it in the same oh, way. Yes. <laughs> Six till 7pm is yoga time. That's it. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> is that not okay? <laughs> I would write, I still do. This is how I cope. I write myself a schedule for my days when I don't even have Dylan. Oh my God. I'm Lord. getting better at it. I'm moving through it. I get that. But I'm, I would go, right, like I that. need to do, like make his feeds or do this right, or do right, that. Right this is going to take that long, but I have to do yoga. So I'm going to fit that in. And inevitably, I never finish everything. And then I feel like I'm a failure. And it's all really hard. (laughs) This was all this kind of year when we were at my parents. And it was, I'm going to say the worst year so far, because a lot of things happened in that year that were very difficult. And at the same time, I was living at home with my parents, didn't quite know what the future held. Yeah. In that year was actually the same year I read the book, Not What I Expected. Right. Oh, yes. Um, talked about that. Yeah, which kind of talks about, uh, applies the formula of the stages of grief for mm-hmm. um, having a child, a disabled child. And I realised I had a, an aha moment when I realised that I'd spent the first two years of Dylan's life in denial, Mm -hmm. same thing, never Googled stuff, never thought about future diagnosis, Um, kind of interacted a bit on Facebook groups, but actually in the same way you did, Serena, Mm -hmm. I would, we were on an amazing, which I would really recommend Facebook group, Hypertonia UK, which was a very encouraging, supportive in the same, similar way to the WhatsApp group, right, suddenly right, right. found something that was very encouraging and supportive. Right. 
there was a point where all the kids started to walk yeah and I left oh, the, I didn't leave the group but I stopped looking at it yeah because yeah. it was yeah. just too much difficult it's and always I wasn't... comparison isn't that yeah and that's really hard I quite I, sorry to interject but I quite like it in our, our circle of friends the people that we've met we've all got very different stories yeah. so it can yeah. be t- tricky with somebody who's got the same diagnosis while that's brilliant for you know information and support it can also be the comparisons sneak in a bit too easily yeah I think it's interesting isn't it because but I think we all know it's about us oh yeah about them so if someone goes shares something where they go oh my kid just did this and you go oh my kid can't do that but we know that's about us and actually the the group is so encouraging and supporting um and empowering in every other way it doesn't matter and we can all then go oh my kid can't do that exactly yeah but that you know yeah okay except my kid can't do this (laughs) start having a battle with what they can't what they can't do (laughs) it's great that we can all be like oh well I did this and I did that and he did this and no 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 but actually what makes us probably feel better is the losses yeah because then you understand that they have losses too. Yeah. It's not just the wins. It's yeah. actually, no, she can't eat or she can't, she's not potty trained yet or she can't walk yet or blah, blah, blah. Noah has so many losses. You don't feel alone. Yeah. It yeah. Can, it's just, but yes. I think finding, finding people who get you and get, get it, for get want it. a better term, can really help those celebratory moments as mm. well. Because I think when V did walk, we didn't know that was inevitable and she was two and a half that she started walking and mm. Patrick and I just wanted to drink champagne for like three weeks like yep. it was the most amazing feeling yep. it can be much smaller milestones that a kid achieves or things that they manage to do that you weren't expecting that aren't the kind of celebrations that people in a more typical situation are 100%. having so the highs and and celebrating that with people who get it who can actually say yep. oh my gosh yeah let's have a party because the kid had like two spoonfuls of yogurt today yeah. that's that's amazing we like get dealing it with the crisps yeah yeah um, yeah oh my god he ate three crisps if you'd said that if i'd have said that to someone else <laughs> like uh, what <laughs> and also i'd be like are you gonna judge me because my kid eats crisps you have no idea how I'm, the happiness i feel when dylan eats a small amount is oh, yeah. it's incredible i get it um but yeah, it's those, it is those small wins and you are feeling a massive celebration inside. Mm. And maybe that's one of the things about being a single parent is I didn't really, yes, me and Dylan's dad have an amazing relationship. Now we have a great friendship. It took six months of therapy and mm. a lot of commitment from both of us right. to communicate and co-parent successfully. And we do share the celebrations. I don't think it's quite the same as if we were together in a relationship. Yeah, and I think it's so important having a group of people that understand your experience and have been through a similar thing. And that, that's the whole point of this podcast. We're, we're here creating this thing to say we've had similar shared experience of having a kid with disability and we want to be an outlet and a community for other people who are going through it and I think that's true in life just for any trauma or significant thing that's happened in your life you want to or it's invaluable to find people who have that experience too yeah. 100%. Um, 
you know, it's, we're not saying that other support networks and, and friends that you've had all your life are not invaluable too and supportive. We're not saying other friends are shit, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> this, this, it's just that it's additive. It's great to have people who've also had a, a, a similar experience exactly. and can understand you. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I mean, I've been very lucky because my friends have been amazing from the get-go. So, like, once Lua was born... Um, they were checking in on me and they realized very quickly that I was overwhelmed with the situation. So I was not responding to text messages or, you know, being very like, yes, no, fine type of thing. So they banded together and came to um, the hospital that I was in with Lua and just said, listen, we're taking you out for dinner, like come downstairs. Um, they didn't oh, even yeah, ask to come up to see Lua at all. Like they didn't, not that they didn't care about Lua, but they understood that this I needed them and I needed yeah it wasn't the purpose so uh I have a group of five six friends so like three of them came to pick me up from the hospital the other lot were waiting at the uh hotel (laughs) they were waiting at the restaurant and we walked in and they'd set up a big box on a chair and I was like what the hell because I didn't have a baby shower I didn't have any because it was my pregnancy was all over the place and I was very unsure of where it was going and I was just not in the mood to have a baby shower so yeah this box had like champagne in it it had candles uh bath bombs um just writing materials just random stuff for me there was no baby items at all and I was just so happy just I I, my love for my friends just like grew a million percent because I didn't need to say anything to them they they completely understood so I love you guys (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'll never forget it. Yeah, it made made my day. Yeah, and then from then on, it's always been like that. They 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 also have learned like if I'm silent, then shit's going down. To like leave me the space, and then they know that I'll be like, oh my god, this happened. Da, 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 da. And then they know what to do. Get yeah. me a drink. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the outlet as well with people who have similar experience yeah, exactly. to say, okay, this happened with the trackers today, or yeah. this, ha- you know where maybe that's an outlet for those conversations exactly those moments. exactly I'm, I'm very lucky yeah we all are yeah. yeah so Jen to finish what advice would you impart on uh, new parents who are, like <laughs> at the beginning of their journey yeah I think this it's really hard I think what I'm gonna say is very difficult to give as advice to a new parent or, or someone thinking about having children because I don't think you are really going to realise that you need it mm. until you've had your child and you go, oh, should have done that. But yeah. I can still say, is yeah. A powerful thing. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, um, my I've had struggles with my mental health in the past and in sort of adolescence, I've anxiety and depression a bit and different things and when I had Dylan all of that got triggered again of Mm. course because it's a you know a trauma response it gets triggered and anything that you've experienced that you've got that's that's easy to get to again um any mental health struggles um are likely to come up again what I wish I'd had in place was the emotional support that I mentioned earlier of of having someone available or something tools or someone you can speak to whether it's 
professional therapy or um, I also have been on somewhat of a spiritual uh, <laughs> journey. <laughs> so for me, meditation and yoga and the, the teachers of those meditations and yoga have, have been a really important support to me from an emotional point of view. Also, talking therapy, mm. um, professionals and therapists, I wish I'd have had that available to me immediately and already had a, a relationship developed with someone or mm. people that I could have called upon. Um, and I think that's that's a really important thing to have, especially if you have if you're aware that you've had uh, struggles in the past. Your mental health is just so important to maintain. And what if your child is born with difficulties and you need to be extra strong is that the right you know yeah, no, I think it's finding you your own to have yeah to and and thinking about you because everything is about the child yeah. I feel like everything is you know I, I meet people I haven't seen for a while or other parents at school get it's always how's B how's B yeah. and it's it's lovely and it's well-meaning but it's also how am I yeah it's like yeah, just ask just the question mom. in the round yeah. you know you're just mum and you have to, yeah, so the, fir the first couple of years was such a sacrifice of my life and, and my identity and you you just become mum yeah, and you need to, you lose your identity and that's, I think that is the most isolating thing and you have to find that again and you have to find ways to look after yourself and for me it's so important that I fill my tank first and that once my tank is filled with just such simple I mean we talk about self-care and the things that are important but this is getting enough sleep yeah this is eating the right things this yeah. is doing a tiny bit of exercise this is mm -hmm. for me meditation this is connecting and socializing with people who raise your vibration and mm -hmm. keep your energy high are positive and encouraging and empowering just like the amazing whatsapp group well maybe a bit of um, flirting in there as well jen <laughs> <laughs> a bit of alcohol no, you know. yeah, no, the, just, um, just for the record jen is the best flirt <laughs> that i have ever met she is amazing <laughs> i think flirting obviously now i am a single parent yes sorry just to clarify Only as, in a her status, as a single parent of course um flirting for me is something that is like you know like Rena was saying at the beginning like beginning being able to wash your hair and put your makeup on mm. made you feel like this is something I can do for myself okay for me a little bit of flirting with the lovely waiter in a in a restaurant or a pub or you yep. know gives me a bit of myself again because it. when I was young <laughs> I loved it you yeah. know before the apps this is something I love doing interacting with people being a bit flirty being a bit jokey I love it it gives me part of me back and I think it's really important to find those small little things mm -hmm. um in the same way that meditation and yoga do for me as well so I think for for new mums having that is really important the filling your tank thing is the biggest thing that I now know when I look after myself and yeah. when I do that and I have a consistent you know few days or weeks of doing that I then see the change in Dylan I've done nothing for him it's right. all been for me right, right, right. but I see it in him yeah. he's also struggled with his um mental health and had 
really bad separation anxiety and anxiety and trauma from hospital scenarios and um, anything invasive, which is many things that he's had in hospital. I mean, there was points where he'd literally get to a hospital door and vomit oh, <laughs> all gosh. over the floor with, um, with anxiety yeah. from not wanting to go in. Since I've worked on myself and yep. learned more about myself and healed myself, it's like reflected in him. So it's when amazing. you, when he wins. Uh, yeah. When I'm stronger, he's stronger. Yep. That's amazing. You know, when I'm happier, he's happier. And when, when you realize that and you realize that the more time you take for yourself, obviously there are times when you have to just put yourself down, sacrifice. He's had surgeries where I've had to go, right. I'm not going to sleep for a few days because we're going to be in hospital. I'm not yep. going to be able to do this. You yep. still get little wins, but those wins have to be smaller. They just yep. have to be. And you have to look harder for them. Yeah. And it. you kind of have to like fill your tank before. Yeah. Yep. Let it all go and then look yep. for the light at the end Switch of the tunnel. Yeah. You, know, yep. you can yep. do it and accept and then not feel like a failure when you're so tired that you can't even do things. You're not going to be your best in that moment. No. Okay. Just have more cuddles. Yep. Yay. Oh, I'm going to give you a cuddle now, Jen. Um, that's oh. amazing. And thank, like, thank you so much for sharing your story. And being and so honest as yeah, well. It's really, really amazing to hear. I think well, just to, to end, we wanted to introduce a, a feature that's going to be a regular on the podcast. So you're going to be our guinea pig for the feature, um, which is hashtag awkward. awkward. <laughs> you know, again, we're just picking things that we feel you will really, you know, chime I'm with awkward. you chime with you lonely <laughs> awkward, awkward yeah um, no hashtag awkward so this is it's gonna be my new dating program <laughs> <laughs> what a catch so anyway the, the new feature um is it's basically that unsolicited but very well-meaning advice that you sometimes or things that people say it could be from a friend it could be from a family member it could be from a complete stranger but that piece of advice that you get or comment that you get that just makes you want to scream so do you want to give a hashtag awkward to begin Rena? just to yes I've got a short and sweet hashtag awkward um so it was at Lewis school and it came from another uh, special need parents um funnily enough thought you were no better but hey so this guy sort of came up to uh, Lewis dad and was like listen mate if you want to um fix your daughter's issues camel's milk what milk say that camel's milk camel milk get some camel's milk in her and uh yeah lewis dad was like what what yeah he had the same reaction he was like just asked him to repeat like three times and uh we could not stop laughing like where do you get camel milk then so where have you have you sourced some i mean the camels um, I could go to London Zoo and get some, uh, see if they would give some to my disabled child. <laughs> Does it come me. in like whole semi-skin? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, so that's Come my uh, milk. hashtag awkward. That's a good one. What about you, Jen? I think I've I've probably had a few little little ones. Um, I think for me, I was I was going through this time of which I still am trying to learn the vocabulary that we wanted to use when we talked to Dylan and. Um, learn about how to have interactions with people because he he uses a powered wheelchair. He's amazing in it, which members of the public constantly remind me of how amazing he is. Oh, that's lovely. He's past them. (laughs) Um, And 
Um, so trying to learn about how we deal with these interactions, mm. how we talk to him about it afterwards, how right. he deals with it. You know, right. it's it's a lot to try and be positive. Also try and you don't want to teach the world. No, but no, you can't no, no. be the best version to try and show, right, right, you right. know, and yeah so this this one we were going up to finsbury park to feed the ducks and we were crossing the road and just crossing the road you know not at a crossing and this guy just stopped his car and let us go it happens sometimes great thank you thanks very much okay cross the road off he goes we've turned the corner this guy must have whizzed around the block and come back and pulled up next to us looks uh, opens the window looks at me and says can I give him something meaning Dylan Mm. I was like okay um and he goes a gift I want to give him a gift and I'm like okay and he gets out of the car and he goes up to Dylan and he gives him 20 quid wow and (laughs) he stands up and he looks at me and he's crying like you know this is the guy not Dylan the guy yeah (laughs) Dylan's fine Dylan's like I've got 20 quid. Um, <laughs> Win-win. Yeah. This this guy is so upset, really crying. Oh gets, I'm like, thank you Jesus. so much. That's really kind of you. Okay. Gets back in his car, drives off. So weird. I'm just, it's really hard because you're like, okay, this guy's obviously got yeah. some experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like a loss. A loss or, or something, yeah. definitely. So that's his story. It wasn't a time for me to teach him about, no, no, no. you know, but I find anything that comes out of pity really hard. Yeah, I, I don't want do. Dylan yeah. to feel pitied. I don't want to feel pitied. <laughs> I don't want anything to, um, to, to be negative. Right, right, right. So I sort of look at Dylan and I'm like, oh, how, how do you feel about that? And he's like, Mum, we just made 20 quid. Yeah. <laughs> Typical yes. boy, right? right? <laughs> so, yeah, we went went up to the park. Coffee and donuts for mummy. Yeah. Lovely. Money well spent. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. oh, thank you for sharing awkward. that. Yeah, hashtag awkward. awkward. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. So, Funny thank story. Thank you so much. Thank you. When we've got another topic, like awkward, lonely, desperate, self-loathing. <laughs> we'll give, we'll give it a desperate <laughs> Um, oh my all the oh well thank you and i hope um everybody listening enjoyed our first episode we hope to uh not see you but we hope you hear us again soon <laughs> thanks Bye. thank you so much for listening to the fucking normal podcast We love making this podcast. Yes, we do. (laughs) We're part of a much bigger team, almost exclusively all parents of disabled children. And our goal is to reach as many people as possible and create a community of support for parents and carers who share our experiences. So if you've liked what you've heard, please like and subscribe so that we can reach out to more people. You can find more information on this and other episodes at fuckingnormalpodcast.com. That's F-K-I-N-G normalpodcast.com. You can join us on Facebook and on Instagram at fuckingnormal underscore podcast. That's F-K-I-N-G normal underscore podcast. You can get all the links and more information in the show notes below. So thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We'll see you next time. Bye.